Making a family emergency plan is by far the most important part of your overall emergency disaster planning. If a disaster or emergency were to strike, especially on weekdays in the middle of the day, when parents and adults are at work and children are in school, do you have a plan? If you have children in school, who will pick them up? Will that be mom, dad, or both? Will that be grandma, grandpa, or another relative? Will you pick the children up and meet back at home? If your family or household gets separated, how will you contact one another? How or where will you reconnect? If the emergency makes your home unsafe and you have to evacuate, do you have a backup meeting place? These are a few of the questions and concerns we'll be discussing in today's episode. Welcome to Typical Prepping, the podcast dedicated to everyday readiness and disaster preparedness. We're here to help those folks who seek to start their own disaster preparedness plan or those who have gotten started but are not quite sure where or how to take the next steps. Each week, I'll present a disaster preparedness topic with actionable tips and strategies that you can implement to start or grow your personal disaster preparations. Thanks for stopping by to listen today. Hi, I'm Keith Thomas, and welcome to Typical Prepping. Today's episode starts a three-part series on building an emergency preparedness plan for your family. We'll cover the family emergency communication plan, financial disaster planning, and wrap up the series with how to build your disaster emergency kit. Today, I'll start with providing you some insightful considerations for answering the following questions. How will you receive emergency alerts or warnings? What's your shelter plan? What's your evacuation plan? What's your family communication plan? And do you have an emergency preparedness kit? We'll also be gathering the information you need to create your family communication plan. The first step in creating a family communication plan is to sit down with all the members of the family to conduct a meeting to discuss these very questions. This meeting is a great way to open dialogue among family members on the topic of disaster preparedness, and today we'll discuss these questions and considerations for making your plan. Keep in mind that your communication plan should be tailored to your particular family and situation. This is especially important for families with small children and babies, elderly, and those with special need. Keep in mind that the answers to these questions I give you are useful in starting your plan. However, the answers I give you today are somewhat vague and simplistic. There may be other considerations in your personal situation that must be taken into account before you can answer the question. By all means, add or adjust your answers and your plan to fit your personal situation or geography. Now let's get started by answering our first question. How will you receive emergency alerts and warnings? There are three common methods of receiving emergency alerts and warnings. 
The first is wireless emergency alerts. These are the alerts that you receive on your cell phone. To activate those alerts, you need to go into your cell phone settings to notifications, and there should be a switch on there to turn on or off the emergency alerts. The second most common method is the emergency alert system. Most of us know this as the emergency broadcast system. These are the emergency alerts you receive through television, cable, satellite, and radio. These include weather information, imminent threats, amber alerts, and local incident information targeted to specific areas. Now, the third most common method of receiving emergency alerts and warnings is NOAA Weather Radio. NOAA Weather Radio provides 24-7 weather information and, in certain cases, non-weather emergencies such as national security or public safety threats through the emergency alert system. So that's the three most common ways of receiving emergency alerts and warnings. So let's move to our next question, which is what is your evacuation plan? If you need to evacuate, you need to decide where you are going to go. This could be a hotel or motel a safe distance away, the home of friends or relatives a safe distance away, or it could be an emergency evacuation shelter. Regardless of the option you choose, you should plot out the route that you'll take to get there. Be sure to plot alternate routes on your map in case roads are impassable. Make sure you have locations and maps saved on devices such as cell phones and GPS units. And I would advise you to keep a paper map just in case your batteries run down on your cell phone or your GPS is unable to receive a signal. Now let's move on to our next question. What is your shelter plan? Within the shelter plan, there are three ways that we could possibly take shelter. And these would be stay at home, a mass care shelter, or sheltering in place. Let's talk about the first one, the stay at home. We all should have gotten pretty good at the stay at home sheltering plan over the past year. Stay at home sheltering would include pandemics. You want to remain indoors as much as possible and try to only leave your home when necessary. You may still be able to use outdoor spaces such as patios, porches, and yards. Outdoor activities such as walking, jogging, and exercise may be fine. When you're outside, try not to touch anything such as light signals, poles, signs, playground equipment, benches, and so forth because viruses can remain on certain services for multiple hours. Essential services such as grocery shopping, the gas station, pharmacies, and going to the post office should still be fine to do and limit visitors if possible. You want to try to use video chatting and call people that you would normally text. The next type of shelter that we'll talk about is the mass care shelter. Mass care shelters provide life-sustaining services to disaster survivors. Even though mass care shelters often provide water, food, medicine, basic sanitary facilities, you should plan to take your emergency supply kit with you so you'll have the supplies that you need. Mass care sheltering can involve living with many people in a confined space, which can be difficult and unpleasant. And be sure to check with local officials about what sheltered spaces are available. And then the last type of sheltering we'll talk about is sheltering in place. Whether you're at home, work, or anywhere else you frequent regularly, there may be situations when it's best to stay where you are and avoid any uncertainty outside. Here's some steps to take if the situation arises. 
Use common sense and available information to assess the situation and determine if there is an immediate danger. If you see large amounts of debris in the air, or if local authorities say the air is badly contaminated, you may want to take this kind of action. Here's some tips for sheltering in place. First off, local authorities may not immediately be able to provide information on what is happening and what you should do. Watch TV, listen to the radio, or check the internet often for official news and instructions as they become available. Be sure to bring your family and pets inside, lock the doors, close the windows, close off air vents and fireplace dampers, turn off fans, air conditioning, and forced air heating systems. Take your emergency supply kit, unless you have reason to believe it has been contaminated. Go into an interior room with few windows and seal all windows, doors, air vents with thick plastic sheeting and duct tape. And consider measuring and cutting the sheets in advance to save time. Obviously, we're talking about some type of chemical release with sheltering in place. Some more tips. Cut the plastic sheeting several inches wider than the openings and label each sheet. When you place this plastic barrier over the windows and doors, duct tape the plastic at the corners first, and then tape down all the edges, sealing the plastic. Be prepared to improvise and use what you have on hand to seal gaps so that you create a barrier between yourself and any contamination. Sealing the room is considered a temporary protective measure to create a barrier between you and potentially contaminated outside air. This type of sheltering in place requires pre-planning by purchasing plastic sheeting and duct tape that you would keep in your emergency supply kit. Now we've answered the first three of our four questions. Our last question was, do you have a family communication plan? To build your family communication plan, the first thing we need to do is to compile information. You'll need to write down phone numbers and email addresses for everyone in your household. Having this information written down will help you reconnect with others in case you don't have your mobile device or computer with you or if the battery runs down. Because a disaster can strike during school or work hours, you need to know the emergency response plans for your schools, child care, caregivers, and workplaces. Discuss these plans with children and let them know who could pick them up in an emergency. Make sure your household members with phones are signed up for alerts and warnings from their school, workplace, and our local government. It is also important to identify someone outside your community or state who can act as a central point of contact to help your household reconnect. In a disaster, it may be easier to make a long-distance phone call than to call across town because local phone lines can be jammed. You also need to decide on safe, familiar places where your family can go for protection or to reunite. Make sure these locations are accessible for household members with disabilities or access and functional needs. If you have pets or service animals, think about animal-friendly locations and identify the following places. An indoor meeting place. If you live in an area where tornadoes, hurricanes, or other high wind storms can happen, make sure everyone knows where to go for protection. This could be a small interior windowless room such as a closet or bathroom on the lowest level of a sturdy building, or a tornado-safe room 
storm shelter, or basement. The next one is a meeting place in your neighborhood. This is a place in your neighborhood where your household members will meet if there's a fire or other emergency and you need to leave your home. The meeting place could be a big tree, a mailbox at the end of the driveway, or a neighbor's home. The next meeting place would be outside of your neighborhood. This is a place where your family will meet if a disaster happens when you're not at home and you can't get back to your home. This could be a library, community center, house of worship, or a family friend's home. The next meeting place would be somewhere outside of your town or city. Having an out-of-town meeting place can help you reunite if a disaster happens and you cannot get home or to your out-of-neighborhood meeting place, or your family is not together and your community is instructed to evacuate the area. This meeting place could be the home of a relative or family friend or even your out-of-town contact. Make sure everyone knows the address of the meeting place and discuss ways that you would get there. You should also write down phone numbers for emergency services, utilities, service providers, medical providers, veterinarians, insurance companies, and other services. The next step we want to take is to share your information. Make copies of your family emergency communication plan for each member of the household to carry in his or her wallet, backpack, or purse. And these can be smaller wallet cards. Post a copy in a central place at home and regularly check to make sure your household members are carrying their plan with them. And to make this easier, in the show notes, you can find a link to PDF copies of wallet cards and eight and a half by 11 inch forms for you to fill out. And I think a lot of this information will make more sense once you look at the uh, forms and the wallet cards. Another way to share your information is to make sure that everyone in the household enters household and emergency contact information into their mobile phones or devices. Be sure to store at least one emergency contact under the name in case of emergency or ICE for all mobile phones and devices. This will help someone identify your emergency contact if needed. Inform your emergency contact of any medical issues or other requirements you may have. You can create a group list on all mobile phones and devices of the people you would need to communicate with if there was an emergency or disaster. Make sure all household members and your out-of-town contact know how to text if they have a mobile phone or device or know alternative ways to communicate if they are unable to text. And then the last step we're going to take in putting together our family communication plan is to practice. Be creative and find ways to practice your family emergency plan. You know, with small children, you may be able to turn some activities into a game. With older children and adults, do a simulated walkthrough of your plan. Remember to keep in mind that your communication plan should be tailored to your particular family and situation. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Join me on next week's episode where I'll be discussing financial disaster preparedness. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. 
This really helps the show and gets our message out to others looking to start or improve their driving skills. If you found value in this content, feel free to leave me a donation at buymeacoffee.com slash typicalprepping. Your donation helps with the production cost of the show so I can continue to bring you more amazing content. Also, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Until next time, stay safe and be prepared.